The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong. As she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan, and it's great to be here with you today. I'm so glad you can make time to join me. It's going to be a great show. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday right here at 3 o'clock Eastern. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending out there, the woman. Well, first up, I wanted to talk a little bit about an ad, ad age article from about a week and a half ago that I found incredibly interesting and which is very relevant to what we're going to be talking about on the show today. The name of the article was What Your Favorite Social Network Says About You. And it was actually the results of an Anderson Analytics survey, kind of taking a deep dive into um, who uses online social networks and who don't, who do not. And it was an article by Beth Snyder Bullock. And uh, according to Anderson Analytics, um, they were really taking a look at users' interests, buying habits, media consumption, and really taking a look at what it meant for marketers. And um, they looked at a lot of different people, but specifically, they were looking at people who have used a social network at least once in the past month. Now, one set I thought was really interesting is that today, 110 million Americans, or 60% of the online population, are using social networks. So that's a heck of a lot of people. And according to this study by Anderson Analytics, the average social networker goes to social sites five times a week and checks in about four times a day. So that's about an hour um, online social networks each day. Now, there's a super connected uh, group, about 9% of the population, that stay logged in all day and are constantly checking out what's new. I wonder how many of those 9% are employed full-time or if they were, if they are anymore. That's my question. Um, According to the same study, social networkers' feelings about brands online are on the positive side. About 52% of social networkers have friended or become a fan of at least one brand. And um, a lot of them say that it's been a very, very positive experience. Um, when they see a, a brand on a social network at, network site, 17% say they feel positive. And then there's, there's 19%, though, that they feel negative about it. And a far, far greater number, 64%, said they just frankly did not care. Now, um, when we look at social network users overall, according to the Anderson Analytics survey, um, it says that almost half say they'll link only to family and friends, and only, a, you know, maybe 18% say that they'll only link to people they've met in person. Now, this kind of goes to the topic of a lot of people out there, I think, have this idea that social networks are all about befriending strangers. And 
I personally don't, uh, but then I'm not that connected on social networking sites. I'm, I'm out there, but I'm not that prolific. But apparently it's the norm not necessarily to befriend strangers. So just a little piece of news out there for you. Of those people who are out there on social networking sites, their top three interests are music, movies, and hanging out with friends. And they really use those networking sites to stay in touch with the people that they care about the most. Now, those who don't use social networking sites, believe it or not, it's not because they don't like technology. Um, and believe it or not, there are people out there that aren't on social networking sites. Uh, but they said that they really don't have the time, and, and they some, some of them say they don't think it's secure, and others say they think it's downright stupid. Um, those in the first two groups, those people who just do not have time, say that, you know what, I might end up joining a social, a social network sometime if any of my time ever frees up. And, you know, I, I, in fact, I have plans to do it rather soon. So I thought that was a really interesting article. There's a lot more detail in that article, um, as a matter of fact, and, and hopefully we can delve into that at another time. But in the meantime, our first profile for the day is Dooney, Dooney and Burke Babes. These are single women in their late 20s, or late teens to early 20s. And, of course, this is a group that's very fashion aware, and they're trendsetters, and I can guarantee you they're on a lot of social networks out there. There's one. 1.4 million of them. Median age is 21. They're in college or employed part-time, no children in the household, uh, either owning a condo or renting an apartment. Again, they want to keep up with fashion. They feel like they're very influential trendsetters, and they like to make a statement, like to stand out in the crowd. They do buy on impulse. In fact, they spend more than they can really afford on clothes, and they spend a lot on toiletries and cosmetics, and they tend to spy to buy on the spur of the moment. So they're very spontaneous with their money. They are very focused on their friends. And again, if you'll recall, there's people who are on social networks. It's all about staying in touch with family and friends. They are ambitious. Uh, they like to seek risks and adventure. And they really are looking out there for brand names. They always look for their favorite brands first. And they won't buy unnamed, unnamed brands just to save money. So they're, they're very loyal to their brands. Now, when they are shopping, they're shopping at Nordstrom's, Banana, Calvin Klein, American Eagle, and Wet Seal. Uh, they're driving Mercury, Lexus, and Acura, and Jeep. And designers that they like are Calvin Klein, Guess, Gucci, and Kenneth Cole, and Prada. So where can you connect with this woman? Well, she is definitely reading a lot of magazines, a lot of fashion and lifestyle magazines like Allure, Cosmo, Glamour, Elle, InStyle, uh, Vogue, and then a little bit of entertainment around U.S. Weekly and um, and Star Magazine. She's uh, watching a lot of cable, a lot of entertainment cable, in fact, Comedy Central, MTV, VH1, E, and Showtime. And she's on websites, as you would suspect, like Facebook, MySpace, um, Movie Phone, T-Mobile, Sprint, Ticketmaster, Blockbuster, and BarnesandNoble.com. Well, my guest for this program, Jessica Hogue, is the research director at Nielsen Online, and she certainly knows a lot about what's going online these days. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Nielsen Online, it is a service of the Nielsen Company. Nielsen Online delivers independent measurement and analysis of online audiences, advertising, video, consumer-generated media, media, can't talk today, word of mouth, commerce, and consumer behavior. And we're going to be talking with Jessica today about power moms, power moms. Who are they and what makes them so powerful? So stick around. More purse strings in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. 
Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high-converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit ConversionCritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.ConversionCritic.com. So you're telling me your affiliate program on the local pages affiliate network is performing as well as your handicap? Absolutely. Thanks to their top-tier XML feed, I'm able to monetize all of my traffic. They handle all of my volume to anywhere in the world. Plus, I also get high cost per click and the most exclusive of advertisers to work with. You should join the club. Sounds good. I can't wait to join. But first, let's work on that tee shot. Use the power of local pages with over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings. Let Local Pages Affiliate Network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need. Become a Local Pages Affiliate today with localpages.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. So you know they're SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Fired up with Gordon Rudo. Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And welcome back to the show. Joining me today is Jessica Hogue, Research Director at Nielsen Online. And we're going to be talking about power moms today. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you so very much for being on the program today. I, I, um, I've been really impressed with your power mom study. But before we get into that a little bit, um, I want to talk a little bit about Nielsen Online. Now, it's a service of the Nielsen Company. Um, can you talk just a little bit about Nielsen Online and your services before we get into all the buzz around Power Moms? Sure, I'd be happy to. So um, some uh, some of your audience today might be familiar with a couple of entities um, named uh, Nielsen Buzzmetrics, which is a, a group um, that had specifically studied social media monitoring for a number of years. Um, and in the last couple of years, we were merged with another division within Nielsen called Nielsen and net ratings, which focuses on um, audience measurement. And so the, the marriage of those two units um, formed Nielsen Online a couple of years ago. And so what we're doing today is bringing together you know, panel-based methodology to look at what consumers are doing online, the types of sites that they're visiting, what times of day they're online, and also being able to bring in the social media monitoring assets to understand what people are talking about to really kind of provide that holistic picture of a, a consumer's sort of interaction with the uh, with digital media. Well, and clearly you've done that uh, with your Power Mom study. You're getting a ton of buzz around that. Can you talk a little bit about what you set to find out when you went ahead to field the Power Mom study? 
Yeah, we, we felt we were in a pretty unique position um, to bring together those those different data sets that I just mentioned. And the idea was, you know, we wanted to, to look at mom's online behavior from the types of content she was looking at to the types of content she was creating um, and really tried to paint a portrait of the role of digital media in mom's life today. And uh, we thought we would be able to bring kind of a fresh um, set of insights to our clients to inform how they might reach out to mom today and specifically, you know, where and when and on what properties, but also the kind of the subtext, you know, what are the types of messages that moms are more likely to be receptive to today because her needs are changing and they're dimensionalized. And uh, we've got a lot of great clients who, who get that, but they needed some guidance to, to sort of think through, you know, how and what tactically we specifically do. Um, so our thinking was, you know, let's build on um, some really good survey data that's been published by a lot of other companies in, in recent months um, and think through, you know, how we move beyond just sort of mom as a, as a kind of large group and think about all the different ways we can dimensionalize moms. Um, and so there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of work that's being done to sort of break apart the, you know, um, moms by different age demographics and the age of the kids within the home. But I think we're really just kind of scratching the surface of all that. And so we, we hoped that our piece of work would kind of push those boundaries a little bit and start to, to get marketers and publishers to think about, you know, not just the age of mom and the age of her kids, but, you know, does that mom work at home? Uh, does she stay at home and is she starting a, a side business? And what are the, all the other types of things that, that really sort of create her as a, as a distinct individual? And, and how is that kind of manifest in the types of things that she's doing online? And I think that, you know, we certainly got part of the way there. There's just a, there's a ton of work left to do to really understand all the different types of moms um, that make up, you know, our online audience today. Well, it's incredibly complex what you set out to try and understand, <laughs> and a lot of layers, but so incredibly um, insightful and valuable for your clients, I can only imagine. And you really set about conducting this research in kind of a different way. You you used video ethnographic research, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Can, yeah, can, we, can we, we explain took, um, for, for a people fairly what standard that research means? approach. So we, uh, we did start off by looking at the types of sites that women across a couple of different age groups um, spent time with, and we, you know, wanted to get a sense for what are the major content categories that really sort of make her tick. Um, and then we also dug into, you know, which social media sites does she spend time with, and then we went back out to those social media sites and, and through our social media monitoring capabilities, we're able to look at the types of conversations that were taking place on those sites. So that kind of got us to quite a lot of bit of scale um, and enabled us to think through some of the questions that we might want to probe on. Uh, but then the video ethnography piece was, was actually in conjunction with a different, um, another uh, unit within Nielsen called Life360, um, whereby we sent um, a handful of women across the country um, a, a handheld camera, and we asked them to create video diaries of their day-to-day life experience throughout a week um, and talk to us about the role of digital in their world today, whether they were downloading coupons, text messaging their husband, or just going online to check for the weather. Um, and it was able, we were able to sort of really get a personal and revealing look about um, at these women's lives and, and understanding, you know, when do they find time to go on to Facebook.com, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm I'm sure that finding the time can be uh, rather crunched because I know mm. I barely have the time <laughs> to go online. I'm sure you were finding that too. And in fact, um, I would imagine that their time or lack of might actually di- dictate some of the activities these women were involved in. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And we, we did see how um, the role of digital devices sort of helped shortcut some things that they might um, not necessarily have had time to do, you know, in years past. Um, but what was interesting from the, the video ethnography portion is we did see a lot of women, um, we specifically asked them, you know, we know that Facebook's big, we know that you're spending time on Twitter, and so we were able to see that from our site and our audience measurement. But tell us why and how are you fitting this in? And some moms would tell us, you know, well, they just had five minutes um, between, you know, a conference call that they were taking from their home office and picking up their daughter from school, and so they just wanted to hop on Facebook real quick and, you know, email their friends about a scrapbooking party they were throwing. Um, and so you could see how while the, the you know, page views and time spent and, and all of those kind of metrics that we typically look at for engagement might not necessarily be so revealing, um, we were able to see how moms are just kind of interspersing these activities throughout their day and, you know, at all sorts of, you know, hours, um, sometimes way into the night when they were able to catch their breath. Um, so I think the, the big aha is that, you know, moms with very busy schedules, moms that are, you know, also working outside of the home that have multiple kids that they're managing within the home are still finding time to do these things because at the end of the day, the desire to connect and the desire to get information from friends and, and, and their sort of broader online networks um, is so valuable to them that they're doing it where, wherever and however they can. And you do talk about it's the reception of information or the sharing of information. So I would imagine that that being a primary motivator for being online, you probably uncovered a lot of different conversations going on. What did you find out about what these women are talking about online? Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, it's almost like what aren't they talking about? I mean, there's <laughs> just pretty much every subject under the sun, and and you know part of what we do with our data is to quantify. You know, is this particular topic trending up, or you know, is there a high volume? Um, and so certainly there are some things like the economy, um, the environment, um, health and wellness children's health and wellness and themes around anxiety and things like that um, that were that were pretty um, pretty substantial in terms of the volume of conversation um, but what but you also see things like you know I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to buy razors and milk <laughs> and <laughs> I think what's interesting is you kind of see that, that um, there's almost and, and this I don't know, I don't want to oversimplify it, but there's almost something for every kind of mom. Um, and so you can have really deep personal conversations about, you know, really um, important family values or, you know, things that, um, you know, personal crises, for example. And then there's also a place for moms to sort of just kind of download, like, I'm really stressed out because I've got all these things to do today. Um, and so there's, there's kind of like all of these dimensions of conversation. It is sort of interesting, though, that, you know, a conversation about, you know, just a quick question on how do I discipline my toddler who, you know, keeps wanting to press buttons on the stereo can kind of evolve into this whole sort of theme around family values. And so I think what's really interesting about moms is that, um, you know, they do kind of want to probe deeper. And while a conversation might start off as just sort of, you know, a casual question, um, you tend to see that kind of evolution in the conversation and really sort of, I think that's why the, the whole notion of social networking is really attractive because moms find that they, they have con they have things in common with other women, and they're able to explore those relationships in a really personal and profound way. And impact those, those other women, you're right, by providing advice or thoughts or opinions, which I know we all just love to do. But mm -hmm. they're, they're really doing frankly, more than just sitting in front of the computer. We, you know, we've always talked here on the program about kind of the rise in popularity of that smaller screen mobile. You know, mm -hmm. how, are, how are these women engaging with their mobile devices? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, from our video ethnography, so, so we got at that in, in two separate data streams. One, we, we do have um, a data set called Mobile App Plan, and basically this looks at mobile audience data. And so what we did was we looked at moms aged 25 to 54 with at least one child at home, and we were able to look at their different types of activities um, that they performed on their mobile devices. And it was interesting because moms over-indexed against the total mobile population, um, and, and I think that's like 18 and over, so not necessarily teens and tweens, um, and other women um, of the same age for texting. And so I think moms over-indexed by about 35%. And you think, well, that actually really surprised me. And being a new mother myself, and I'm, you know, I, I, I do text some of the time, uh, but I didn't necessarily think that this was so pervasive. And so that enabled us to sort of probe through the video ethnography work that we did and say, okay, well, what is it about texting or what are you doing on your mobile device when and how and why? And uh, moms Moms would, you know, we actually had this one mom who was in her car sitting outside of Costco going through a grocery list and she was reminding herself of all the things she had to do and she opened up her text or her phone and she started texting her husband of like things that they had to do for that day. Um, and then she talked about, oh, I'm going to text my babysitter to schedule, you know, date night for next week. And so it's almost like a, you know, a, a walking to-do list, if you will, but it's a way to sort of quickly sort of tick things off their list. Um, and it, I think I was surprised at the penetration of that behavior among moms, um, that it was so you know, per pervasive, and we were able to really see that pop in our um, video ethnography because basically all, the, all moms that we saw were, you know, some were downloading coupons, you know, at their local Kroger even. Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely a way to save time, and we know that mm -hmm. women are so good at sussing out ways to, to keep us on time and on task, and, <laughs> and there's not a minute to waste for sure, and yet there, there's time to go and create videos. I mean, you were finding moms creating or using video. I think you called them vloggers in your report. Yeah, and I, I can't actually take credit for the, the term vloggers. I don't even know who coined that phrase. Um, but, but yeah, the role of video was pretty compelling. Um, and again, we kind of took a two-prong approach in, in trying to understand the role of video. So um, through a capability that we also have called Video Census, we're able to look at um, the content of streaming video that moms are consuming. Um, and through through that piece of data, we could see that the types of um, the top 10 um, programs that moms were consuming in a month, and I think we pulled the month of February, um, the top 10 programs were all child-centric. They were, you know, PBS Kids, Noggin, Nick Jr., a ton of Disney properties. And uh, we do know from the way that we go and survey our panel that, you know, moms aren't just powering up their laptop and letting Sally or Johnny sit and watch the program. They're sitting there watching that video, watch, you know, participating in a game on that screen with their child. And, you know, the, the thing that struck me is, you know, we, we as parents, we want to have, you know, family time. We have dinner at the table. We have movie nights. And now here's this whole new way of being able to interact with our kids. And it's completely in a, in a format that makes sense for kids because this is how they've been raised. Um, but it's, you know, able for, for parents to, to find content that they can trust. Um, these, a lot of these properties, you know, they, they have such high standards for the types of programming that they put out for kids. And, and so we really saw, saw that behavior emerge from the um, observational data. Then when we got into the video ethnography, um, you know, moms were telling us about, you know, how easy, you know, just flip cameras, you know, they're so they're accessible because they're not expensive um, and they're easy to use and moms 
you know, they'll go on sites like um, Mom Bloggers Club, Mom TV, New Baby. There are a bunch that are cropping up in, in recent months where they can upload video content. And not just, you know, here's me in my backyard grilling hamburgers on the 4th of July, but, you know, I'm a mom who's managing um, a child on the autism spectrum. And here are, you know, three things that we deal with in a given week. Maybe it's, you know, something that they learned at physical therapy or um, whatever the case may be. And, I mean, these are really personal issues that moms are sharing. But again, it's just sort of taking the ability to build community online and and just taking that to such an ex- exponential power. It's really, um, I think that, you know, moms are, moms in a lot of ways like to try try out new things. And this is just kind of a, an explosive area right now. Well, and it, and we talk about them being power moms and this, this sharing of information, it, it not only is empowering for them, but it's also quite powerful for the people on the other end who are receiving the information too, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're going to take just a quick break, but when we come back, power moms are not all created equal. Jessica's going to break down power moms when Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on Target. Do you consider yourself a super affiliate? Then listen up. One of the most trusted names in affiliate marketing since 2003, XY7.com, has now launched XY7Elite.com, a private invitation-only affiliate program run by super affiliates for super affiliates. Enjoy private tested offers, weekly deposits right to your bank account or XY7 debit card, XY7 VIP concierge service, limousine transportation to and from major industry events, and the status of being one of the elite publishers. XY7 Elite is not for everyone as you need to be accepted and maintain volume requirements. Think you've got what it takes to be elite? Go to www.xy7elite.com or call 702-216-4000. 702-216-4000. Did you know? 99designs is a leading marketplace for graphic design on the internet. Did you know? 99designs connects you to a community of over 35,000 designers who will compete to do the best work for you. Did you know? 99designs allows you to post projects for logo design, web page design, t-shirt design, and more. Did you know? 99designs projects need an average of over 70 different design options for a price that you set. 99designs. When designers compete, you win. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of surf, SEO rock stars, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on webmasterradio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I'm joined by Jessica Hogue, Research Director at Nielsen Online, and we've been talking about Power Moms and Nielsen Online's Power Moms report. And, um, you know, Jessica, I know that we talked about how complex um, the study was and so many layers and so much data, and as you said, you're still going through all of it. Um, But you did 
take time to kind of break down power moms by demographic categories. And can you just share some top line information about what you found and what kind of how you kind of divide these women up? Sure. Um, and yeah, and we did it a couple of different ways because of the, the use of different data sets. Um, and so the first thing we did from the audience, uh, measurement piece, which is, you know, looking at our panel of consumers and monitoring their online behavior, um, is we, we did actually take a, a fairly, um, narrow demographic read. So we looked at moms age 21 to 34, um, and we kind of made some assumptions that they probably had slightly younger kids in the home. So we looked at, you know, moms of those ages uh, with kids anywhere between the ages of 2 and 11. Um, and then we compared that to moms 35 plus. Uh, and made some assumptions. Again, this is, uh, you know, this is a starting place for us, so um, there's some work we want to do here. But we assumed that they would have kids slightly older, so we got kids um, 12 to 17. Um, now, what's interesting is what we are trying to do as kind of a go-forward strategy is to think about, you know, we do know that many moms are having children later in life, and so potential for, you know, moms 35-plus that have younger kids um, is another uh, strategic target that, that we want to start to study going forward. But the interesting difference between um, the, the the slightly younger moms and the moms 35 plus is um, just kind of from like a top sites um, visitation perspective, we did find that there were some interesting themes. So the younger moms um, were pretty um, engaged in health content. Um, so they had high visitation if you compared it to an average online consumer to um, health sites like WebMD um, and the Everyday Health Network. Um, and so we could see that, you know, the role of health and just sort general wellness themes was pretty important to these women. And if you think about when you've got, uh, when you've had a child for the first time, um, you do as a parent tend to think about, well, you know, the, you know, as you're starting to feed your child, you're, you know, thinking about the things that are most nutritious for them. And it does cause some consideration and probably some behavioral modification for the types of things that you eat. And so that kind of made sense to us. Um, when we looked at the women 35 plus with uh, teens and, and, and tweens in the home, um, there was... You know, certainly we saw the role of food show up. So there was high visitation to um, a lot of wellness and even dieting sites like Spark People, which is a big um, wellness and, and dieting online community. Um, they over-indexed to, uh, for visitation to that site pretty heavily. Um, but also there's a high degree of recipe content here. So, again, the, you know, cooking is, is and, and food does kind of have a role for both segments. Um, the other really big difference, um, I think, is that we saw within the social media behavior. Um, the younger moms were, they over-indexed more heavily to social networking content and specifically um, blogger.com, which is uh, Google's, you know, really easy, um, you know, self blogging tool. Um, and, you know, that's, again, if you think about the inflection point, first time you have a child, you've got all these pictures and you want to share them, and so it's easy to create a blog um, to do that. Um, when we dug into the social media data, though, it was sort of an interesting story as we looked at you know, the, mo the CEO moms, the moms 35 plus. Um, we did see that they were in over-indexing for um, visitation to certain social media sites, but they were different ones, like LinkedIn um, and Classmates Online. And so my, my my hypothesis here is that, you know, moms are leveraging social media, but they, the slightly older moms are coming to it with a slightly different need. And for them, there's probably much more of a professional desire to network um, as well as the, the social application as well. So there were some interesting learnings there. 
oh gosh, tons of learnings. <laughs> I mean, just yeah, and, so and much that's just kind of like data touching that the can be applied all across the board. And I would imagine that the implications for marketers are just immense. They are. They are. I mean, we've been having a lot of great conversations with our clients and uh, and and companies that aren't our clients today about, you know, what do we do with this? And, and everyone's kind of in a different place with it, but there are very few companies that don't touch mom. And I think, the you know, the big learning, although, you know, the, 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 the desire is not to oversimplify it, but any company should really think through, you know, what are the different segments of moms that we should be reaching? And, and while age and demographics do are a good starting place. There are so many other things to, to um, think about beyond that, and I mentioned a couple of them before, but, you know, working. The work-life balance is really important to mom today, and, um, you know, companies have been more progressive in enabling flexible schedules, um, and moms have also been pretty enterprising in being able to make that work for them. And so, you know, there's the whole, you know, stay at home, work at home, work outside of the home dynamic that I think marketers kind of need to wrestle with, because that has implications for when and how you you reach mom and the types of messages that she's going to be receptive to. Um, the other thing I mentioned earlier is special needs. So we've got many more moms today um, working with children who have special needs in the home. And so that is, that is a, it's, it's not a psychographic, you know, data point. I mean, that's something that just takes over your whole existence. Um, and, and that colors everything that moms think and do from the products that they buy, from the types of media that they consume. And so that's something that marketers really need to be cognizant of as well. Um, and then the last thing that, and, and this is more from kind of a researcher approach side is we've been working with a lot of our clients to sort of get comfortable with looking at quantitative data and the qualitative data that you get from a video ethnography exercise because the the nuanced learning that comes from that really does help you fill in the the whys. Um, And we think that that's a really important um, exercise for uh, marketers to undertake to to enable them to create those messages that that do sound more authentic and do sort of convey to moms that we really understand what your needs are. Mm-hmm. Well, and your plans are only as good as your research, right? So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, it, it all starts there. And if you have just this rich grounding based on wide, deep data, you know, it's just you're just going to be armed um, with all kinds of ways to impact that that target audience. So, well, we have run out of time. I could clearly talk another hour and a half <laughs> about this, and I'm sure you could too. Thank you so much for being on today, Jessica. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh, very fun. And for those of you out there that want to know more about Nielsen Online, check out nielsen-online.com. And there's also some great free webinars online you can check out, too. So thanks to Jessica, and thanks to my producer, George, for another great show. And join me next week for another edition of Purse Strings. I'll be talking to Megan Wilker and Nancy Lyons, their Geek Girls Guide, Geek Girls Guide. And these ladies talk tech, and they talk it a lot. And we're going to get the lowdown on what's trendy with the online set. That's next Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern, right here. And until then, thanks so much for joining me today. Make it a great one. 